Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on bad times. Brought to you by the Royal Holloway Shakespeare Society. You join me, Theo Dudridge. And me, Subhan Hay, as we bear some bardy truths. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bard Times. And this week, I'm here with Vicky. Um, sorry, I should say your full name. Um, did you want to introduce yourself, Vicky? Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Victoria Green Armstead, um, and I'm a third-year drama and film student. Brilliant. So, this week, I wanted to talk to you about editing and producing, because you've been such an important part of the last two uh productions that we've we've made of, of of shakespeare plays and because of the pandemic they've had to be online so hamlet and measure for measure that so far like already that's quite quite a lot for your cv so what was it like editing hamlet first of all yeah, so um, Hamlet was obviously uh, the the first one, so um, it it was it was very like um, in a learning curve because you had to try and it was the first time anyone had tried to put together um, a, f- a filmed thing uh, uh, with the Shakespeare Society, so we had to kind of work out as we were going, but. Um, it, it went pretty well. So we, so basically everyone would, everyone recorded via Zoom and then I got all of the Zoom, the, uh, the Zoom stuff and I kind of spliced them together as best we could. And, um, it was more of like kind of a filmed performance, I'd say, rather than like the, a proper like film, which is kind of more what the measure for measure thing was. Um, and so yeah, and obviously that one uh, didn't have any uh, music, so there was less to do in terms of that. But um, yeah, and then some people did extra like recordings just with their phones and things as well. And so I started editing them together. And um, yeah, in terms of the um, pro like editing program that I used, I used a, a program called Avid for that. And. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> We all love Avid. Oh, yeah, God. and the reason yeah the reason we're laughing is because we've had so many difficulties with Avid, but any but yeah move, moving on from that we um yeah that one was um there there wasn't as much of like the extra stuff to do with that it was just more balancing the sounds to make sure that you know one person wasn't speaking a lot louder than other people and making sure that it cut uh, as seamlessly as we could. And one of the good things about that one is because it was filming uh, everyone, like, the entire time, it was easier to get, like, reaction shots from everyone. Um, yeah, yeah. Because when good. you're... Normally when you're filming, you have to, like, you know, reset up the camera for various reaction shots and, like... Because, obviously, you know, you normally film on a quite tight schedule. You normally... Um, sometimes you don't manage to get everyone or, like... You know, you'll get reaction shots for some people, but not others, or you'll have like a wide or whatever. It at least meant that you had a lot of footage that you could, uh, that mm. that you could choose from. Yeah. Um. That being said, there were a few scenes that um. They were filmed in a way that was planned uh more as a film than a filmed play. So, for example, the t- the scenes that I worked on, I was I was lucky enough to be able to work on like act scene. 
act scene act one scene two and uh, those were just filmed by the actors themselves and then sent in and then we had to put them in together so like ruben who played uh, claudius did his scene and then uh tom Aban, who played hamlet did his scene and then i had to put it together and then there was benice's brilliant gertrude as well yeah and then um it's it's so weird thinking that they didn't have each other for re- they just did their lines held a space for us to yeah. edit someone else in which they didn't need to because we could just edited it in there were so many moments of them just like look, looking to the camera just waiting for the other actor to speak and i was like i could just edit this in you don't need to do this but yeah i was wondering how much like how much of that do you think has influenced how you worked on measure for measure because there there is quite a difference there's scenes where you know what i've just described where actors film themselves and send them in but then there's scenes as you were talking about which we did on zoom where they have the live reactions of each other yeah well i mean the difference obviously between that and measure for measure is because everything was in person you had like the directors who managed to who would like make sure that things were like set up and and everything like that and i think it's it's a very different thing directing people over over zoom or getting them to do it themselves because, uh rather than doing it in person because it's it's a lot more difficult to get exactly what you want mhm understood yeah so you said earlier that hamlet was like a learning curve for you so what do you think that you you sort of because of working on hamlet what do you think you have gone ahead to do differently and measure for measure and any other product projects um, that you worked on a lot of it was like um planning planning and things mm. which and um making sure that you got things done like kind of as quickly as possible and allowing more time for stuff um mm. and yeah and just and then a few i learned a few like technical things as well because and but i did also learn stuff b- before hamlet because i did some of the audio dramas Mm. Oh yeah, Macbeth, I think. Yeah, Macbeth oh. and uh The Massacre at Paris. Oh wow, okay. Um so you before even, you know, coming onto these shows and offering to be an editor, I assume you got some training somewhere and I was just wondering where you got the training and where you learned how to edit. Well, honest, well for um for the video editing, I did an editing um, module as part of my course, mm-hmm. which is where I learned how to use Avid because that was the one that they were teaching us how to use because that's like, apparently it's like the industry standard mm-hmm. um, that people use. And um, and then for the sound editing, I used Reaper, which is a program that I learned to use um, a little bit in my um, final year of A-levels. Because as part of my A levels, I did um, an EPQ, uh, mm-hmm. which is like a extended project qualification, and as part of that, I had to edit some music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, my um, supervisor for that was one of the like media teachers, so he taught me how to use that. And um, mm-hmm. and but then sometimes I, I only learned like a basic level of that using that, and then I learned more. Uh, through like trial and error and sometimes YouTube videos are very useful in learning how to sort like specific stuff yeah um I'm that it really interests me because you know ever since I've been working on shows with you uh you know people like Connor McLennan and 
or that have have made it very clear that there's a distinction between video editing and sound editing yeah uh, which i didn't realize i thought okay one soft because you're talking about using reaper and avid um so is there any obvious difference between sound editing and other than obviously that you're, you're working with sound rather than video but what stops you from editing sound in a video editing software um well sometimes the generally the video editing software will let you do sort the sound a little bit like it'll let you fade fade sound in and out and like mm-hmm. set the um sound level but mm-hmm. the reason that reaper is quite useful is that you can put some uh like effects on stuff like when i was doing the audio dramas on there i would use some of the effects on reaper to get rid of like um the white noise that okay. would that would be on the soundtrack on the um sound files that i would get in and then sometimes like there would be it's kind of hard to describe but when you record things in rooms of different sizes there's a slight there's the echo and Mm. if the echo is slightly different for different people's um recordings and you can kind of notice that and there are various like effects on reaper that you can use to try and fix that to an extent you can't get rid of it completely oh that's quite interesting actually okay that makes sense so like in films i don't know if i'll be able to explain this as well right now but it's like you know that they've maybe because someone got sick or maybe because they wanted to reshoot a scene you know for a fact that one scene has been filmed in multiple locations but it's meant to be in one scene within the story and i guess like what from what you're saying reaper and these sorts of softwares are what help them to keep a consistency so it feels like they're in the same room the whole time when they're actually not um so you know what's quite interesting to me uh, i mean I've noticed this like throughout the past year is that editing as as important as it obviously is it's becoming more and more important and it's becoming more and more like a career option for people so I was wondering what you were thinking about that because every youtuber seems to be wanting to uh, hire their own editor nowadays and obviously there's more and more films coming out and that sort of thing so how do you feel about this emergence of the importance of editing? Yeah, no, I I think it's really good because um, when in the uh, editing like module you're doing, they talk about how editing can change the story quite a lot, mm. and how like um, the story is written like kind of three times during the process, like when it's being when it's obviously first being written, and then when it's filmed, and then when it's edited, you can like change the story in those three times, mm. and um, and then I think also. Um, in especially in big budget films, um, no one talks about the editors. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you think about I don't know, like the Marvel films or whatever, you talk about the directors. Maybe you'll talk about, but mainly you'll talk about the actors, um, and then maybe the uh, like costume and design and stuff. But like you know, it one of the things that they said like if an editor's job is done well, then you don't notice it. Exactly, that's the thing, and it's just like you don't notice it, and people don't congratulate like editors, which is a good point that you've made. It's like um, I wanted to hear about like any exp- any experience that you've had where you're making something and then throughout editing it, it's been made. So I don't know if I'm asking that right. So I can give my example recently. Um, I'm sure I can talk about this because I'm going to be doing something for Shakespeare Sock soon. But for Player Sock, which is the other committee I'm in. 
I created this trailer. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah, 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 I did. So, it's very good. As, um, I mean, a lot of people said, okay, it's really good. But I'll be completely honest, that wasn't planned. I don't want anyone to think that I sat down and calculated it all. I legit recorded myself picking up a Hulk and doing stuff. But when I got to, when I exported all that stuff onto my computer, that's when I, you know, made it. Like I sat down and I was like, hmm, maybe I could have little uh, dark bits, little black bits in the middle. And then I could add like suspense music, this and that. And it all gets made in the editing room. So I was wondering if there's any experience that you've had like that where you're not really sure what you're making. But yeah. it gets made in the editing room. Um, I mean, I remember one of the first projects that we had to do for my uh the editing module was that we were supposed to make like this commercial for a yacht which was the uh-huh. most random thing but we were given like basically loads of footage of this really like posh yacht like from uh, from the outside some like from the inside of the different rooms mm-hmm. and we were supposed to put it together into some kind of trailer or commercial for it and um i just i found that like quite difficult because there was no like script to follow or anything like that but it event but it was yeah like you said it was one of those things that you kind of end up putting together in the kind of editing process mm. um and like I had you had to have like at least a vague idea in that I yeah. I was like okay I'm gonna start from the outside and then kind of uh zoom in and then go through the different rooms and then kind of zoom out you, like use the uh, exterior footage again zooming out at the end like I mm. had that I, I come up with that vague idea before I started properly editing um, but then other than that I kind of just separated the footage into like the interior exterior and then kind of into the different rooms and mm. then just w- used that and went from there Hmm. okay yeah so that, that really does show the power of editing like legit if like an actor, if I see the filming in front of me, they can make so many mistakes and they can sneeze and they can stutter, they can do whatever. But when it comes to the real thing, once it's been edited, it looks like they they make it look easy, they, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it it should be made clear that it's the editors that, that make it so. And, you know, when I was trying to get into editing, I thought, okay, it must be something that's a bit difficult, but it can't be that hard. It can't be that annoying. But now I've just learned that it's like, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's so tedious. Uh, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know what you feel about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it does take a very long time. Hmm. For, for for a tiny scene as well. Yeah, it it does. I mean, I kind of go through things where, like, you know, I start it and I'm really really excited about it, and then and like you know you start getting. But once you've done been doing editing for like you know a couple of hours and stuff, then you're like, okay, I've had enough now. And yeah. it's not something that you can sometimes, you can, like, spend a really long time at once doing. Mm. You can spend, like, a couple of hours and then you got to, like, you know, at least take a bit of a break and then come back to it. Mm. Yeah. Especially it when you're looking at the same footage over and over again. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and just, it's not even looking, it's the hearing it again and again that really just ticks me. It's that you hear it again and again, and then you stop working, you turn your laptop off, and you can still hear it in your head. It's just, it's just it gets too much sometimes, but um, I guess it's all worth it. But I would, again, I'd really like to see if any software developers could find some way to make it less and less tedious. Because, like, yeah. I think, in, I mean, I've used, um, 
I've used Avid is uh, because we were working on Measure for Measure. Um, Adobe Premiere and I've used Final Cut, but I have to say, out of all three, it, Apple just you know because Apple being Apple, um, they've just made the the nicest interface and all that stuff. But still, it is a bit tedious. It's not that different from like say Premiere Pro or whatever. Um, but I want to ask you what what was it like working on Measure for Measure? So with all the things that you'd learned from Hamlet, because uh, Measure for Measure was now an actual film now. So this was something that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably something that you've actually, like this is specifically what you've trained for, like so editing film rather than editing a play, uh, a filmed play or whatnot. Am I right well, in saying that? I mean, we, yeah, it was, main, it was mainly like for editing films. Like we did a few um, like trailery kind of things. Uh, as well like we had to oh which was brilliant honestly i have to add that that <laughs> it was it was like an industry standard trailer it was so good well but yeah um the yeah the we as part of my editing course we learned how to do a few trailers as well um mm-hmm. but then we did the main one one of our big projects at the end of last year was this like 20 minute short film uh-huh. that we had to do and we had like a script for it and stuff and we had to put the pieces together so yeah that is kind of what I was what I trained for but mm-hmm. yeah okay so any like so this time there were a few um unfortunately some difficulties came through so there was like I think some issues with the audio and and whatnot which again very clearly is not is not reflective of of your ability but it is a reflective of like what the softwares are at this point so like avid and whatnot they're just not good at exporting and that sort of thing and it's just like hopefully we can because it's it's this thing that i've i've been hearing about avid being this industry industry standard for a very long time like when i was getting into editing myself a few years ago i kept hearing about avid and it being an industry standard but there's a lot of forums where people are like yeah but we're going to use this uh, and then you sort of get this confidence to like follow them as well and be like, yeah, we're not going to use that. Yeah. But now that I've gotten to uni and I see that, oh, yes, they're still doing that. Um, it is a bit of a thing where it's like, I just wanted to hear what your opinion on that. I mean, I think the reason that um, that we were having trouble with it is because we were trying to do it on, uh, A, we weren't using like the full version. Mm-hmm. Um, in that we we were using like the free version, which obviously isn't going to be as good. But also, um, we were using it on laptops, which have a lot. Which you know, although I've got I like I think I've got a pretty good laptop. Like it doesn't have mm. quite the. It you need to have like a certain storage and like um, hard drive capacity in order mm-hmm. for Avid to run at like its full potential. Um, but even like with um in the computer labs where they have the full version of avid like obviously i've used them and it's a a lot better than using it on your laptop Mm. uh because they've got the full version and it works and it works more like properly but i mean sometimes yeah sometimes it is a bit a little bit uh annoying on on the um computers but generally it works properly and i think that's why because the in like the professional films and stuff they've got like the best computers the best yeah um the like they've got paid they've paid for the top editing software versions then that's why that's why like it's it's a lot easier yeah and 
um, I think I'm allowed to say this, but I think because you've got a new cut of Measure for Measure coming out soon. Yeah. So all the, uh, you know, all of them, the stuff will be fixed and everything. But even even without that, you know, I I don't know if the if the new cut will be out by the time this episode comes out. But if it's not, even the original is brilliant just for like the church scenes, because like I was watching it and I was like, okay, this is a student film. First of all, props to Meadow for getting the idea together and, you know, getting the actors together and having a camera, just just her phone camera, which has inspired me personally, because this year I was like, I'm going to buy a camera. But I'm like, no, I I just need my phone. That's what I need. And I think... the concept for the Measure for Measure was so, so cool. It was such I, I a was, good idea. Yeah. I, I don't know if I... Again, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to say it. I was on the bid panel, and, like, when we got it, I was like, whoa. Like, a Netflix-style crime drama, a crime documentary. And, yeah, like, obviously, guys, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're going, what is that? Check it out. It's on uh, Royal Holloway University, London, Shakespeare Society YouTube channel. And... Yeah, just for the... I was talking about the church scenes. Like, so you, the I didn't expect you guys... Because, again, I was saying it's a student-led film. You guys did colour grading and... Just the ways that you put... You edited the scenes together. It was like an orchestra, if that makes sense. It was like it flowed so well. Then the bit... The scenes where you had Tom Barrett, like, sort of walk in. You have his footsteps and all that sort of thing. It was just so well done. So what was it like, like editing those? Because the church scenes in particular were what I, you know, was stuck with me. Yeah, the I mean, the church scene, the ones in the the scenes in the chapel were kind of very difficult to sound edit because of the mm. echo. Mm-hmm. And you know, for the particularly between like the wide shots and the and the the closer shots, the sound was very different. So you had to try and. Um, balance the sound out as best you can mm-hmm. um and then obviously the the one thing i was really glad about with this one is that is because we we used music you can mm-hmm. use the music to hide a lot of the to like kind of make the sound overall a lot smoother because yeah. it it hides and it hides a lot of white noise mm. and it, it yeah it just helps a lot no i really noticed that and i think it did a really good job of masking like because you're right, there are going to be bits where, like, you've got, like, Tom's footsteps and then it cuts to him uh, standing behind, like, a, a stand and you can hear his echoes and stuff. But still, you know, for a student-led film, this was... It was eye-catching is, is the word I will use because you're, you're sort of left, like, wondering how did you guys do this? Like, I know you're explaining it now, but at the time it just didn't make sense to me. It was like, okay, you've done a good job of masking the sound. It flows. It's just... Those scenes in particular really stood out to me. Um, and yeah, obviously it's unfortunate all the all the all the um, the problems that you guys have faced. But honestly, I think in the face of what you guys have achieved, it's nothing compared to that. So I, I'm the new cuts coming out soon. So I think yeah. it's just going to be a, a you know I in my opinion it's it's what it's the best thing that the Royal Holloway Shakespeare Society has produced. And yeah, it's, it's really good. And it's all props to your editing team honestly and you, uh, this should be made clear guys editors are what make the art what it is um so moving on from editing i wanted to because i was surprised to know that you've done producing mm-hmm. so w- you've worked on legally blonde and another mts show uh, legally blonde is an mts show right 
Yeah, and uh, oh. and Supercar. I was the shadow producer on Legally Blonde, and then I uh, produced uh, Supercar, which was like the first year MTS show. Um, uh-huh. Not last year, but the the year before. And then I, I was producer on Measure for Measure as well. But obviously, uh-huh. being an online show, there's not as much that you need to do for that. Mm-hmm. I, I do I do need to learn personally what producing is about. So let's start from the beginning. What was it like uh, shadowing on uh, Legally Blonde? Um, so shadowing was was um, was really fun because it's like you don't have any of the responsibility, but like <laughs> you get you just get given like stuff to do. And yeah. I I remember yeah because I went to all of the fundraisers and then I went to um, and I did I like wrote a quiz for it um, and then I I also um, during the actual uh, performances I was backstage helping out um, and then I was like on the the door as well collecting people's money selling programs um mm. and stuff like that which was fun okay all right so that sounds interesting so w- what would you say so your role is more of a as you were a sort of a helper um as a producer yeah well but the producer also manages like the show's budget um okay. as well so that you um when you do the bid you write you write the budget and you have to make work out like you know how much you can expect to get from ticket sales depending on um depending on like which venue you're planning to be in and then how mm. much how much programs are going to cost and then you have to work out how much props and costumes are going to cost and mm. particularly um i mean for shakespeare society it's not a problem but for the um for mts you need to uh, make sure you've budgeted in the money to buy the rights for whatever show you're doing Mm-hmm. Um, Understood, yeah. from wherever you're going to get them from and um, yeah and then you have to pay for the rental of like uh, the music the books and the scripts and stuff um, yeah and so you have to sort out you have to sort out the budget and then you you organise the fundraisers um, but, yeah so did you help with any any particular fundraisers that you remember from your first year um, so yeah, I'm just trying to think for um, for the uh, super kart one. We did we did a Mario Kart tournament, mm-hmm. which is Brilliant. which is good fun. And I came second in that one, which and I was beaten <laughs> by Finley, which I was very upset about. Oh wow! Oh my god! I want um, I, I want a Mario Kart tournament now. Oh my god! Yes, I really want. We we should do another one as a fundraiser at some point. <laughs> what a brilliant idea! Um, but I, it was only because because of the theme of the show was was Mario Kart. Mm, but yeah, but yeah, we we did that, and then we did um, we did we went to the uh, one of the rooms above the pack horse, I think, and we did a we did a, like a quiz, I think, and an auction of promises. Um, wow. And then See, I to think... someone like me who's never been to an in person thing, this sounds like. So so amazing like my auction of promises and stuff has just been on zoom but sorry for interrupting yeah. what were you saying no i'm saying i think we did another fundraiser as well but i can't remember what the third one is what the third one what we did for the third one mm-hmm. oh that's that's annoying me now i can't remember but yeah they're normally like um i yeah like showing films and stuff and uh-huh. um or like there's i think for legally blonde they did a skip-a-thon uh-huh. A where, skip-a-thon. Yeah, 
where people um like they were doing skipping for um for 12 hours straight and they'd switch between switch between all the different cast and crew i'm sorry they, skipping um, as in skipping like, like using a skipping rope oh my god for 12 hours straight. not actually yeah yeah it was <laughs> it was a lot but um oh my god but everyone did like i think two like a 15 minute slot or something because they had quite a big they had quite a big cast and crew so um, Vicky, I so got yeah. I got exhausted from our readathon, and you're talking yeah. about skipathons. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it, it was um, good fun, but tiring. something that really stood out to me that you were talking about is is buying the rights. So I know as as Shakespeare, Shakespeare stock, we don't really have to worry about that because Shakespeare doesn't belong to anyone. Um, <laughs> I think it's quite a poetic statement, but it's true as well. Um, but so for other shows, so say for example something MTS does, you would have to buy the rights for that, and I'm just yeah. intrigued by how difficult that is because surely, as as you know, aspiring actors, aspiring theatre workers here at university, we should have the freedom, I, I I think, to at least make it accessible for us to buy the rights. Yeah, I mean there are various websites that you can look and see what shows what shows um, you can get the rights on. I think there's like MTI Europe uh-huh. or something that you can uh, buy buy the rights for. I think that's where they got the Legally Blonde one from. Um, so are these the rights for the plays and like the songs as well? Yeah, for, for the script okay. and the songs. And it's, it's like performance rights, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Because you are making money off of it because you're... Yeah. That makes sense. Yes, okay, I understood. All right. Um, so we've talked about, I think your first year, your, so you, in your first year, you did the Mario Kart one and Legally Blonde, mm-hmm. am I correct in saying that? Which both sound so amazing, especially with all the events that you fundraised, uh, that you did for fundraisers. So what was it like, uh, transferring all your skills to Measure for Measure? I know you said you didn't do as much, but I'm just intrigued to know what you, what you managed to do on Zoom. Um, so yeah, for measure for measure, we did um, we did. I mean, we did the readathon, which was really cool to do another to do an in person fundraiser, more mm. like more or less. And then we did and we did the auction of promises. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think those were the only two uh, that we had to do because because obviously being an online show, you don't have to pay for the venue. You don't have to. And you, ju- we literally the only thing we needed to get the money for was for the props and costume. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, we didn't need to do as much fundraising, but um, but yeah, it was it was kind of weird because I've not run any online events before, um, mm. so that that was like you know a thing for me that I was like kind of nervous about. But um, I think, but yeah, the the auction of promises and stuff was was good fun, and we made it into like a big the big launch party event and then we mm. managed to do the other one in person which is really good mm. that was really good yeah it was great that we, we managed to finally meet up and it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't just like a launch party for measure for measure but it was also an opportunity for people who never met each other to meet yeah which was automatically just amazing um and i just wanted to know uh, firstly for editing if you have any tips for beginners um, I mean, the only the thing I would say is to download an editing software and mm. start um, and start trying to work out how to use it. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is 
um on online on like youtube and stuff there are a lot of like tutorials and things where you can kind of at least get a grip of like the basics as in like how to um get the footage into the editing program and then get them onto like a timeline and start you know cutting them and stuff Hmm. um even without doing like you know super complicated stuff uh just like you know splicing the thing together Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I'd say like, try, try learning how to use the software first of all, or find someone who will teach you how to use the software. Um, and then, and, and go, go from there. And cause a lot of what I, I was finding is that it's with the editing there, there are obviously the, the only rules and stuff is like how to use the software. Cause a lot of it is like, it's kind of yeah in instinctual or stuff you've got to kind of work out like obviously there's a big thing is like continuity but that's Mm. something that any if you you just need to like pay close attention to the details and then you've also got to hope that the footage you get does have good continuity as well and that the actors are doing the same thing uh the same way in each in each scene um and then yeah it's just about making it as continuity is possible and then there's i think there's another rule that's like uh the 180 degree rule which is that you don't you know you go you when you cut you cut like 180 degrees you don't cut on any other angles unless you're cutting to something completely different but yeah um so well i just wanted to make i just wanted to get because i keep hearing on 180 degree 180 degree but so is this like a a one-on-one conversation that two people are having I think so. I mean, I don't... I I just remember that, like, you know, being talked about is in that you kind of try and... try not to cut to, like... um, Yeah, try not to cut to, you know, strange angles and that you don't... You... Yeah, you're Mm. you're not... Yeah, you're cutting from one person to to another, like, not completely straight, but, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And also, you know, another thing is that once you know the rules, you can break the rules. So, for example, at the 180 rule that you're talking about, um, I, I recently I've been watching this comedy group called Auntie Donna. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. But they, they, do, they, do, they do this thing where they're having like a serious discussion, but it cuts into like weird angles. So like it may cut into like someone's forehead or it might cut into like half of someone's like lower face. And it's like they're having a serious discussion, but you'll just you won't help. You can't help but laugh. And I think that's just a good example of how you should know the rules. But like knowing the rules is not yeah. is not something that you should be bound by. It's it's knowing that okay, this is a rule. So if I break it, then the audience will be like, it's a good technique yeah, to you've got to a, mess with the audience. Yeah, you can break them to create a specific effect, mm. and then you've got to look at that and then see whether it actually works or not, and then yeah. And also another important thing is like editing is not just the editor's job. Like as you were saying with continuity, if the actor sends you something that doesn't match up with continuity, there's nothing that there's not much you can do about that as an editor. It's something that, you know, the the actors need to have in mind as well when they're, when they're working, especially if it's, it's, if it's like an online production that where you're, you're less likely to be able to reshoot and that sort of thing. Um, so did you have any beginner's advice for, for a producer then? Um, for a producer, I mean, I don't really know in terms of what you could 
what you could try to start producing but I guess like if you're at uni and stuff try and get involved with uh lots of shows and stuff as much as you Mm. can and then like you know you could all if you are putting together a show you you look at other because what I did when I was putting together the first budget and when I do put together budgets is that I I've got copies of like other budgets and I kind of use that to and learn stuff from that and put put it and use that to put it together Mm. particularly when it comes to like how much certain events are you know are thought would be the amount of money that certain events would get you got you look at some of the other budgets and see what what those events they said that they would get and then you use that to work out um what you would get yeah i think that's good advice because i think the budgets that is a that's the most intimidating thing for me at least it's it's just you look at a spreadsheet and you're like what is going on um so i think yeah looking at what other people have done that's good advice and that you know i was thinking earlier i think with the advice that you were giving to just download an editing software and learn the stuff i genuinely believe because like if if you just like sit down and look at some uh job applications it's like x ex- like editing softwares are becoming the new excel you know mm-hmm. how they they need you to have like excel and powerpoint knowledge and whatnot there's so many jobs where they're like you should have some sort of knowledge of like what how an editing software works so i think you know you were very right to say that yeah in your spare time you should make sure that you you just get the 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 basic gist of it and Um, there's another um thing as well that we got offered to take the um like this avid test which uh is it's basically like a a test on on the software and what the different like Mm -hmm. buttons and stuff are and if you if you pass it then then that's something you can put on your cv and it's like apparently Mm. quite good for um for getting into editing um and so i we we were allowed i i didn't end up taking it but we did have the option to take it through the uni i don't know how you would how you would um take it other otherwise but i'm assuming Mm. that you know you just have if you look online you'd be able to find uh, yeah. a way of taking it and you probably have to pay a certain amount but yeah but yeah mm-hmm. you probably be able to find a way of taking it mm-hmm. and as well as that if you can't take the other test i think just having a show reel of what you've made would also if not, yeah probably be better than an avid test because you know it just shows initiative and that sort of thing um yeah. so i was wondering if you have any particular plans for this coming year which i am so excited for hopefully um yeah, this same. this this podcast could could go um could age very badly when i say i hope covid doesn't <laughs> doesn't come yeah we hope again. that we'll be in person but yeah. we will see <laughs> we'll see um, yeah i mean my main thing is that i want to get back into uh the acting side of things mm-hmm. um because although i've loved being being like the producer and editor i want to try try something different Mm. Um, and so my plan for this year is to just audition for as many things as possible mm-hmm. um, and yeah and see what shows I get in okay perfect all right that's been and thank you so much for your time Vicky it's been so great talking to you and take care
Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Bard Times. I've been Subhan Hay, and in the words of the Bard, love all, trust a few, do wrong to none.